This is Church Alive's teaching of the week. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. Hey, I'm excited that we're continuing on with this Family Matter series. And this morning you, you have a treat because my bride is going to be speaking to you. Amen. You know, we're, we're building a teaching team here at Church Alive. And I got to admit, she's the prettiest one of all of us. Yeah, I know. But uh, anyway, she's going to be speaking to you in just a second. Uh, But real quick, we're going to get into things, and after that, she's going to take the stage. How are y'all doing this morning? (laughs) Good, good. You know, um, I feel like we need to do something before I I dive into this. Um, I know that the Lord would have this word to go out, and I already believe from worship that he has started something and I want us to take authority because you know anytime there's a word that is meant to go forth there's always going to be spiritual warfare involved y'all know that and so I, I really believe we just need to take authority over some things today because I believe that God wants to move in our hearts And he wants to change some things. And I believe he already has started that process. So, Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this opportunity to, God, share your word. Um, I take that as an honor. And I I declare right now that we just take authority over any distractions, over any spirit of offense, over anything that would try to exalt itself above the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, part of the mission here at Church Alive is restoring families. Families are extremely important to us. And for the past few weeks, we have been talking a lot about God's design for the family, our parenting, about the dysfunctional family. And by the way, if you did not get to be here to hear about the dysfunctional family, you need to check that out. It was really good. Uh, Pastor Nolan did a great job. So as you can see, the family unit is under attack. I mean, you can look all around. You can look within your own home. (laughs) Some of you may have experienced that this morning. But why? Why is it under attack? And I want to share with you that this morning, we need to realize that the family unit is essential to Christ's mission. It's essential. And maybe you haven't thought about it in those terms, but I want you to know that we don't just husband and wife come together, get married, have children just to have lookalikes. Take a look at this picture. Isn't that so cute? You got Pastor Jean in that. That's quite a suit you have there. That is so cute. And look at little Cash. We call that wiggle cash. We used to say wiggle. But, you know, they look a lot alike. They even act a lot alike. But that's not why we come together as a family unit. So let's talk a little bit about God's intent for the family and how it's so much greater than we realize. I'd like you to open your word this morning to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 26, Genesis chapter 1. You know, the family unit was created before the church. 
So that shows you right there, God places high priority on the family unit. If you're there, say, I'm there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Give you another minute. All right. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So this we find in the very first chapter of Genesis. And it's so important that we break down these couple of verses because this is God's picture for the family. Why did he create us? Why were families even in existence? Well, number one, we were created to reflect. It says in that verse that we were made in his image. In Latin, that's called the Imago Dei. We were made in the image of God. And this makes us unlike anything else that God created. Notice that he created them male and female. Selah. You could have a whole sermon on that. It's stated clearly right there in these verses. We reflect God as a human and additionally as a family unit. You know, it is not an accident that the triune God made up of father, son, and Holy Spirit, he created a father, a mother, and children. And just as the Trinity functions, they're distinct, they're separate, but they work together, we as a family are supposed to do the same. That is God's design for us. The family reflects its creator, God, when we are operating in unity. Number two, we were created to replicate. You know, it's said in those scriptures to be fruitful and multiply. Now, God instructed Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. Why? Why did he do that? Have you ever really just thought about that? Because children were meant to spread the image of God throughout the earth and the culture. We are to multiply. And it is no wonder that the enemy, he has championed divorce, abortion, cohabitation, and fill in the blank of all the things that are going on in our world right now. They counteract the family unit. It is, it is his plan, it is Satan's plan to cause the family unit to disintegrate. And all of these things bring destruction to the family unit as it was intended to be. Satan is doing all that he can to undermine the replication of Christ's image in the earth. 
So we were created to reflect, we were created to replicate, and we were created to rule. We are meant to exercise the rule of God through the vehicle of the family unit. Maybe you've never thought about this, but God's been revealing this to me, that we as mother, I'm sorry, mother, father, let's get this right, father, mother, and our children, we are meant to spread God's blessings throughout the earth. That's why it's so important that we are in unity, that our children are unified with us. We were created to rule. In other words, we are meant to bring blessing to the earth as the family unit operates within God's covenantal design. So we reflect, we replicate, and we rule. That is what we were meant to do. So think about it. United families will result in peaceful communities, peaceful cities, blessed regions, and so on and so forth. That is God's intent for us. These three things are the reason why the family is at the bullseye of Satan's target. You know, last week, I mentioned last week's message on uh, the dysfunctional family. And that teaching made it clear that there is no family that's perfect. Not one of us. But there was a lot of hope given in that message that God functions even in our dysfunction. So there is hope. And we're, we're going to talk about that. We all have a family tree. And our family tree, it doesn't look perfect. Does yours? <laughs> Mine doesn't. It doesn't. You know, we as, as mothers and fathers, we try to do the best that we can. But the fact is, is that we deal with hurt, we deal with pain, we, we deal with sin, and so sometimes there are flaws and imperfections, and that's just the reality of living in a fallen world. We have a family tree that contains flaws and negative relationship patterns, and sometimes, you know, you could even start to believe that if you look at the rest of your family and some of the patterns and themes that you see that somehow you're doomed to repeat it. But I'm here to tell you today by the authority of Jesus Christ, that does not have to be your story. That does not have to be your story. You are not doomed to repeat those negative patterns. That is simply not true. Because of the powerful influences of environment and conditioning, you know, we naturally tend to take on some of the same habits or behavioral patterns as our parents or other family members. But even though we might have a little bit of a bent or lean towards those things, it doesn't mean that you're doomed to repeat it. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You do not have to repeat it. You are not meant to have that as your story. Negative patterns can include 
pride. And this is by no means an exhaustive list. I mean, I could list for days, pages, but these are just some of the ones that, that the Lord brought to mind. Pride, negativity, perfectionism, anger, poverty, lust, depression, manipulation, addiction, abuse, and it could go on and on and on. But just because those negative patterns are part of your family tree, it does not mean that you're trapped in that same cycle. Those things, they don't define you. I'm going to say that again. Those things do not define you. That is what the enemy, that's the lie that he tries to bring to us, to deceive us. No, I say no, no. So last week it was stated that if we don't deal with our family dysfunctions, we run the risk of passing them down to the next generation. And this is true. And some examples were given in last week's message. You see, Jesus provided a way for you to stop the cycle. He loves you so much that he gave his life to deal with sin. And earlier we were singing about strongholds. And I just got so excited because that was exactly what I was going to be talking about today. Strongholds. Those things, those negative relationship patterns, those things are strongholds. And we're going to talk about that. So in my own life, just to make it personal, I've had to deal with some strongholds. I've dealt with strongholds of perfectionism, of, of worry. Um, and, you know, we put all these fancy little terms on it. But you know what those things are at their root? Perfectionism is a spirit of rejection. Um, worry at its root, it's a spirit of fear. That's what it is. You know, we can put any kind of words, little fancy phrases on it, but let's get down to the root of it. That's what it is. So I've had to deal with those strongholds in my life. And when we deal with the strongholds, it's not just for us to achieve freedom. Although freedom is good. I love living free from those things. But it's also so that I am not passing these things on to my children and my children's children. But even bigger than that is that when you really walk in the identity of who you are in Christ and you get rid of these strongholds, man, oh man, it brings God so much glory. He gets glory from your story. And isn't that what we want? We want to reflect Christ. So, if we're talking about strongholds and getting rid of strongholds, let's first recognize what a stronghold is. And maybe as I'm talking, you're running through the people in your family tree, and you're thinking, oh yeah, we got this, we got that. <laughs> you know, and maybe you've already dealt with it, and that's great, but maybe you haven't. And so, I want to equip you today on how to deal with some of these things. And I'm not, I'm not going to be so trite as to say that this is going to happen overnight. That spirit of fear and rejection, 
it, it has been a process. And I'm still at times prone to try to go back in that direction if I don't take authority over it. So I, I don't want to make it seem like we're going to snap our fingers and boom, it's gone. Okay, this is a process. We're walking it out. But first of all, we have to recognize the stronghold. A stronghold is a strongly guarded area or fortress. You see, what Satan does is he uses lies or deception to build walls that block the truth of God's word. In the example of the spirit of fear, I was caught up in doubt and worry because I was believing the lies that the enemy was trying to sell me, you know, instead of trusting in the fact that God knows the end from the beginning. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are around me. I have nothing to fear. There's a scripture for every day of the year. There's at least 365 scriptures that address do not fear. Instead of standing on that, I was caught in doubt and worry. So we need to recognize the stronghold. And maybe the Holy Spirit is already showing that to you. Um, or maybe he will in the coming days. But firstly, recognize it. Secondly, we need to surrender it to Jesus. Know that you can not change it on your own. Here's the mistake that we make, and I've made it so many times. <laughs> we try. We say, you know, God, I'm going to try to do better in this area. I'm going to try. Try. And you keep trying. But guess what? It's not about trying. It's about trusting. Amen. It's about trusting the one who has already overcome every one of these things. You've got to trust him because only Christ can help you to do this. It is not humanly possible on your own. And number three, after we recognize and then we surrender, we walk in the truth. Now, I think this is the hardest part because this is a daily choice that we make. Every day, I have to choose not to go back into fear, not to go back into rejection, but instead to stand on the truth of God's word, to take authority when those things start to come back upon me. That is difficult. But God, he can help us do it. He is the only one who can help us do it. You know, our weapons, they are not human weapons. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 and 4, that we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We can knock those things down, but only through the power of Jesus Christ. He's the only way we can do it. Now, we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit. Um, we have, 
you know, done things a little differently during this series. We've, we've heard from different folks and, and we've even done some interviews and uh, had some question and answer. And today we're going to have an interview here uh, again. And so at this time, I'd like to invite Elizabeth Wellburn to the stage. Everybody give Miss Elizabeth a big hand. Elizabeth is one of our amazing kids ministry leaders. Um, she, along with her sister, Rebecca Carlton, they do an incredible job. Both of these women, they truly, truly have a heart for the spiritual growth of our kids. And you see it by the love that's in both of their hearts and in the, the way that they just love on our kids. So we need to give them a big hand because they are amazing. Um, Elizabeth is Jason Welbert's wife, and she's the mother of four. Um, and recently, I'm going to move my way back here, but recently we were having a discussion, um, and we were talking about how the family can shape us and our development as individuals. And so during that discussion, she shared some really amazing insights that I felt like were going to be very beneficial for the whole congregation. So, Elizabeth, thank you for being willing to share in this setting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be okay, Elizabeth. You can do this. Brother, Brother Funches met me this morning. He said, today, the, the word for today, Elizabeth, is assignment. I said, yes, Brother Funches. <laughs> Got it. I'm here. <laughs> On assignment, on assignment. But I am, I am thankful to be here. Um, I'm gonna try to hold it together. I'm gonna look at Regina and talk to Regina. <laughs> you just look at me. I'm just gonna share my story. So uh, that's what I was about to ask you. Can you briefly share uh, some of your experiences growing up? Yes. Yeah, so. Um, we're talking about dysfunction and <laughs> blended families. So, Do you mind moving the mic up just a little bit? Yeah. yeah. yeah Can you hear me now? Um, I want to start out by saying that I love both of my parents very much. My parents love me very much. And I'm very thankful to have the family that I have. Um, but we are far from perfect. <laughs> far from perfect. Um, my parents got divorced when... I was nine years old, Rebecca was one years old, and there were a lot of marriages and divorces that followed. Um, there, <clears throat> we had a lot of loss. Um, we lost our sister, um, Sarah, when she was only 15 years old to a tragic car accident. Um, I also suffered sexual abuse as a child, so check all the boxes, dysfunction, blended, wounded. Um, I left my childhood with a lot of wounds, a lot of brokenness, but God, Amen. but God, so here we are. <laughs> so um, yeah, um, I, I have struggled with finding my place. And like Regina was talking, hold, uh, the strongholds of fear 
and feeling worthy because because of my past and what I experienced and my family didn't look a certain way, I didn't feel like I had anything to offer, that what I had to say wasn't important, but God, but God. So, um, you good? <laughs> thank you. I, I want to say thank you so much for your vulnerability. Um, it's really great that that you are able to be so open and and thank you. Thank it's not, you. It's not, it's hard. It's Jesus. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> but he has been. Um, I was reading the scripture in Ephesians this morning. Not not pushing me, but requesting that I allow him to work through me so we can I can share this story and hopefully. Um, make some connections with people here so that they can release these strongholds and move forward. Move forward. Amen. Amen. During our conversation, um, when you were sharing some of these things, you had mentioned um, how the healing started with the revelation of God's love and his role as your father. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. So, um, as a child, we went to church some. We were in and out of church. So I knew who Jesus was. I considered myself to be a Christian. I was baptized as a child. Um, but I didn't know the Lord. I didn't have a relationship with him. It's only by his grace that I made it out of my childhood. <laughs> um, but when I became a parent is when I truly started to understand who God was, and he started to reveal his love for me. Um, I had our first child, Lofton, <laughs> and he, um, I remember they, when I delivered him and they laid him on my chest, and I just, I know it sounds silly, but it literally took my breath away. I had this new little person, and the love I felt for him was just overwhelming. It was so strong. It was something I had never experienced before, and it just took my breath away. And then fast forward a few years later, we got pregnant with Sarah Beth, and I remember thinking, I don't, I don't have enough love in me. Like, how am I going to love her as much as I love her, her brother? I'm sure Sarah Beth will love to hear that. And she... <laughs> But we had her, and I love her just as severely as I love her brother. And now, like Regina says, you know, we're, I'm a mom of four, and I love them all the same. There's nothing they could do or say to make me stop loving them. Nothing. Nothing. And it's, <clears throat> they didn't do anything to earn that love. It's not, it's unconditional. There are no conditions. The only condition is they're mine. They belong to me. So that's the way, I want you to think about this, our Heavenly Father, that's the way He loves us. Not because of anything we do or don't do or say or don't say or know or don't know. We're His. And that's the bottom line. He wants us because we are his. Um, it's, I wanted to share with you that God was referred to as our father 13 times in the Old Testament. Jesus referred to God as his father over 150 times 
And he spoke of God as being our father 30 times. That's 196 times that God was referred to as our father in scripture. That's not a mistake. That's how he wants us to relate to him, how he wants to understand the love that he has for us. Because it doesn't matter. He can operate in our dysfunction, like you said. He can operate no matter what our past is or what we've done. He still loves us and he still wants us because we belong to him. We're his. Amen. So good. Whew. Revelation. Love it. Um, so you shared with me also a new way of looking at the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So can you explain how this verse changed your view about your connection with Christ? Yes. Yeah, so again, after having children, um, my husband and I, like we said, we come from, I come from a broken family. He comes from a broken family. Our grandparents divorced. Our parents were divorced. And that's not it's not what we wanted for our children. That's not what we wanted for our family. And we wanted to do better. We wanted to try to do better. Um, and I'm just going to read you this scripture that gave me real revelation. And I cried like a baby. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm going to read the amplified version. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah... He is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the fresh and new has come. So like Pastor Gerald said, I was going to unpack it. <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? Because that was a, a word engrafted. Why, did, why was that word chosen? And we know there's no mistakes. It was on purpose. And so I looked up the Webster Dictionary what what does engrafted or graft mean it's when a shoot or a twig is inserted into a slit on the trunk or stem of a living plant from which it receives its sap so i'm gonna read it again engrafted a shoot or twig is inserted into a slit on the trunk of a stem or stem of a living plant from which it receives its sap so let's take it a little bit further. What is sap? It is the lifeblood of your landscape and garden plants. I can't, I, you can't make that up. I mean, so when Christ, when Christ, we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, he plucks us out of the brokenness, out of the hurt, out of the dysfunction, out of all the generations that have gone before us, and he engrafts us into himself, into his family tree. And what we were before is no more. It is gone. It is passed away. And he is the sap that sustains us, that runs through our veins. It is him. It is all him. So that... Not the dysfunction, not the brokenness. That's not what I'm going to pass down to my babies. I'm going to pass down the one true king. The father who I am now engrafted into is who my children will now be engrafted into. And that is the family tree. And that is the inheritance that they will have. Amen. Whew. Yeah. 
I think you got a little preaching, you, Elizabeth. <laughs> Rebecca, Rebecca said, y'all messed up when you gave me a microphone. <laughs> the kids, so the kids know it. The kids know so it. So good. Yeah, yeah. Man. But think of that revelation, y'all. We are engrafted in Christ. That's good news. That's good news. Um, so you've shared, uh, you know, this, this revelation from 2 Corinthians 5.17. Are there any other scriptures that you'd like to share with us that kind of help to renew your mind in the area of those family wounds? Yeah, so a couple here. Um, just like, so God calls himself our father. That means that we are then his children. 1 John 3, 1 through 2 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason why the world does not know us, the reason why we do not belong and we do not fit in, is because it does not know Him. Beloved, we are children of God. First, um, John, just John, Chapter 1, verse 12 through 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Born of God. We are children of God. We are loved, accepted, wanted, chosen, called by the creator of the universe. No matter what your past, no matter what your dysfunction, no matter what you come from, the only prerequisite that God requires is one. That's it. Not that you know enough, not that you're good enough, not that you're pretty enough or you're worthy enough, that you say yes. That's it. The only prerequisite is your yes. To get up every day and say yes to Jesus. To come to church on Sunday and say yes to Jesus. So that is why I'm here. Because, because I said yes to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, as we're starting to, to wrap up this section of this service this morning, um, and I'll, I'll ask the band to make their way towards stage. Um, the book of Ephesians, uh, you were sharing with me that it has some key understandings into how we are to function in the relationships with others. So um, can you kind of expound upon that and talk about what that has meant to you? Yeah, so um, let me get the mic back up here. <laughs> um, the, when Regina and I, after we talked originally, the, the Holy Spirit kept saying to me, read Ephesians, read Ephesians, read Ephesians. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go read Ephesians. <laughs> so I'm just going to read a few verses from Ephesians. Ephesians is so powerful, and we've been discussing family and relationships, and it's so good, y'all. It's only six chapters. Go read it. Go read Ephesians. Um, but I'm just going to read you a few verses. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It was given to us because we are his. We belong to him. 
In him, the whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Ephesians 2, 21 through 22. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Ephesians 5, 8. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, Ephesians 5.21. Serve wholeheartedly as, you, as if you were serving the Lord and not just people, Ephesians 6.7. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, Ephesians 10-11. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10-11. through 11. It's so important um, as Christians that, like Regina says, we know who we are and we know who we belong to so that we can walk in that authority. We can know whose protection we have um, and that we can raise warriors for the kingdom and that we can be warriors for the kingdom of the Lord. And I just want to take a minute while I have the stage since you gave me a microphone. <laughs> And I want to say thank you to this church body. One of the best decisions of my life was walking through that door 10 years ago. It has changed me. It has changed my family. And I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, Pastor Jean Sr. and Miss Ann just welcomed us with open arms and unconditional love. And they loved on us. And I can tell you stories about so many of you that I'm looking at that I wouldn't be where I am today without each and every one of you. And it's so important that you become planted and you find yourself a church family. Once you are engrafted into the Lord's family, we need each other. We weren't created to do this by ourselves. We need each other. And I just encourage you to get planted, to serve, to get connected, find a life group, um, we're talking in our life group about um, our relationships and how our brain chemistry changes when we share our story and we allow others to enter into our story with us. So I just want to encourage you today and I want to, again, say thank you to each and every one of you. Wasn't this good, y'all? Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thank you for talking to adults instead of children. Yeah. <laughs> I know that could be a stretch sometimes. Yes. But um, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you so much. So um, I just wanted to read the prayer from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. It's just so good and it fits so perfectly with what we've been discussing in the family. And I just want to pray it over you today. Um, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp just how wide and how long and how deep 
is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Church of Life's teaching of the week. We invite you to join us for the Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 a.m. or learn more at churchalive.net.